0: Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. My guest today is Andrew Yu, the CEO of Moto Labs. Moto is a no-code development platform, which is used by leading colleges and universities, as well as global brands. We're going to talk about engagement and what it means, returning to the office in the future of work, and, of course, low-code development. And we'll do all that on this edition of People Tech. So, Andrew, what are you hearing from companies, employers out there um, about engagement? Is it as big a subject, as big a deal as everybody says it is?
1: Um, you know, I, I think it's a, it is a really big deal um, and uh, it is actually different uh, from different types of customers that we have. So just to step back a little bit in terms of who we work with um, and um, and just to kind of, you know, sort of a, to, to make this thing, uh, to provide you with the context where Moto fits into this entire new world, if you will, of the post-pandemic uh, workplace. Uh, so we started this company out of MIT about 12 years ago and the, the original initiative that uh, we had prior to starting the company at MIT was to basically provide information uh, so that MIT students and faculty and staff can have it on, in their phones, right, on their phones, whether, whatever the phones that they're using. So at the time, it wasn't really about engagement, although it turned out to be such. Uh, it was really about giving the uh, important information to a campus so we've got a campus like MIT or other universities, uh, and then how does the app help them, uh, help the, our customers who are typically either in the IT department, you know, they need an app. So the official university app for MIT or the official university app for Penn State or Florida, uh, University of Florida or whatever, the, uh, you know, UC Berkeley, that sort of thing. So then what, you, what do you do with these apps? So at the very beginning, it was all about, oh, so-and-so has an app, we need to have an app. Uh, but it really turned out to be an engagement factor uh, where everyone from incoming freshmen or even before becoming a student, uh, that the university uh, prospective students, freshmen, and then throughout the life cycle of the academic career, and then eventually after they graduate, uh, all that stuff is covered under these apps. A few years ago, um, a number of enterprise customers came to Moto, and then they said, we really like what you guys did at MIT. And we would like the same thing. So uh, one of um, those customers was actually Capital One. And then one thing that we realized was, this was way back many years ago, eight years ago. So way before pandemic. And you, know, you could kind of see at the time that they had similar problems. Now the problem with the enterprise is that isn't, isn't that they didn't have apps. Everyone had apps, but the problem was that they have way too many apps. Um, so there is this idea of consolidating all that into a single app where employees can download that workplace app uh, on their device, whether it's a company issued or their personal, and then from that app, Regardless of where they work, so for instance, if you work at the headquarters, or if you are a call center employee out in Plano, Texas, or if you are a uh, you know traveling executive, or you know whatever the use case might be, again, that single app can help with this workplace engagement. Now, of course, um, COVID happened in 2020, and uh, you know I distinctly remember. You know, visiting many of our customers, whether it's universities or especially the enterprise, the workplace. You know, We work with companies like Goldman Sachs. We work with companies like Okta or um, I suppose uh, for the, uh, I don't think I can reveal, like, but I can say like one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies out there. GE, I think I can name them. Uh, and so these are some of our customers, right, in, in the, the enterprise side. Now, before COVID, they had a different problem, which was there were too many people at the office. And it was like, um, hey, um, you know, we got one desk and maybe there's 1.8 person per desk. You know, that was the the ratio. Uh, And then fast forward to uh, obviously during COVID, that number went down like nobody was showing up, of course, because out of necessity, out of uh, regulation, uh, they could not get people, uh, you know, even if they wanted to. So different customers adapted different models. So a customer like Goldman Sachs and a lot of the banks out there, you know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with, um, you know, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase publicly announcing, hey, everybody, you know, if you got, if, you, if employees can go out to have dinner at restaurants and go to the movie theaters, they should be able to come back to the office and work from there. And for companies like that, it was really about, they had a certain way of uh, engaging with their employees you know, everyone coming in, you know, if you are familiar with the the world of investment banks as an example, an analyst usually is required to come in at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. and they don't usually go home until, you know, 10 o'clock at night, 11, 12 and one o'clock or 12 o'clock until some things were done. And I think in that particular situation, the, the place where employees are engaging with is actually at the office, you know, sitting side by side, sitting within the same neighborhood the office so that you can actually learn from your mentors you can go out to dinner together you can you know go out downstairs for a little coffee and then socialize that was pre-COVID and that's basically what everybody was missing right so now of course if you fast forward to within COVID then it's like okay you work from home And again using that analyst example they might be living with three other roommates in a small tiny apartment in Manhattan or whatever their use case might be so for them for those those types of customers it was very important for them to try to bring back people uh, as soon as possible so that they can continue to engage with them. So the apps that our customers have again I think Goldman had done a webinar with us I can say their name uh, their name of their app is Canopy as an example uh, it was really geared to that Canopy app uh, kind of changed its role, if you will, um, but it was to, designed during COVID to try to bring back people safely. Obviously you cannot come in unless you um, you know, tested negative or whatever the vaccination and all those requirements, but even now uh, that app is getting used, but in today's world it's more focusing on how do I allow people, uh, how do I give the information so that you can decide if you if you have the choice, if you have the option to come in so that you can engage with your uh, colleagues uh, working on the same project and so on. Now, the communication, of course, can be done via email and such, but the apps are now designed so that you could actually say, hey, on Monday, I see that my managing director will be at the office on the 20th floor of this New York you know, headquarters, well, I as an analyst, if I happen to be in, uh, working in that area, uh, and if I am allowed to come in, or if I require to come in, I could say on Monday, I'm going to show up. But I see that he's not there on Friday, maybe I'm not going to show up, you know, that sort of thing. So that's sort of the engagement uh, that we are seeing uh, on one end of the spectrum, which is, I would say, more uh, rigorous, uh, encouraging of people coming back, or even requiring people coming back as many as, po- as many days as possible. On the flip side, uh, we have customers like Opta, and what we see in the tech industry, uh, and this goes to other tech companies as well, is that they usually came back with a you know, public announcements that says, we don't need to have employees coming back to the office at all, you know, but from time to time, we would love to have them, you know, uh, come back, Uh, and why? Do you, you know, because obviously they have a lot of real estate, a lot of uh, big uh, buildings, very nicely equipped, very nice uh, environment, uh, so people can go go back in there and uh, you know work. So uh, companies like Okta uh, sort of took a slightly different way of looking at this future of work, right? So in fact, uh, we collaborate with them, uh, you know, not just in terms of building the app, but also uh, constantly reevaluating how other customers are thinking about this. Uh, so in their case. Uh, The app usage is still covering the similar things, uh, but also in their case, uh, they want to sort of create like um, different reasons why you would want to come back. So it's very similar. If you um, recall a few years ago when Apple created their own headquarters, a brand new headquarters with the uh, circular architecture. And the basic idea was that they want to encourage people to meet one another you know, completely just by walking into the office and coming out to actually go to the cafeteria. So the architecture itself of a physical work, a workplace was designed that way. So again, engagement, uh, you know, in person, you know, getting to know one another, now, those are some of the critical factors. And of course, our customers are cognizant of that, uh, whether it's companies like Okta or companies like Goldman Sachs. And then in between, uh, there's a lot of other variations of this idea. Um, and so that's what we are trying to help with from a digital perspective uh, to allow them to, uh, again, uh, provide that level of a uh, feature set uh, so that their employees can actually use it, you know, either directly or sometimes indirectly, just nudging the behaviors and uh, providing them with the tools. Uh, so that they can be not only productive, but ultimately more engaged with uh, the their employer. Do you
0: love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese
1: Podcast.
0: All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out. I want to uh, shift gears for a little bit. And when I was reading through your website, um, it looks like low low code is a pretty big part of your offering. Um, could you could you talk
1: about that? How does low code play into this? Yes, yes, that's an excellent question. Um, so it, it, when we first started um, you know the our own platform many years ago, it was very much, uh, I would say, Uh, the opposite of low code. It was uh, something that required a lot of, uh, you know, technical knowledge and developers uh, so that they, you know, we would provide a framework and they would get their developers to code code things and so on. But over the years, we learned that in order for these apps to be not only adapted by these institutions, whether it's universities or in a large enterprise, um, we needed to actually have a very easy way for them to just configure things. Right. So no code needed uh, to do a lot of different things. Um, so what we ended up was, you know, if you wanted an app, just like what MIT had, or if you wanted an app, just like what GE has or um, you know, at Goldman has, uh, you know, in theory, you could just configure things and then you know, have it good to go. But where the low code comes in is that every single customer, um, and I would say even within the same customer, especially for larger organizations, you know, your requirement for India office is different than your requirement for London office. The back-end systems that they have, um, you know, sometimes it's global, sometimes it's local. So then how do you, uh, how do we and the customer, um, you know, provide that level of customization? Uh, so to give you, you know, a couple of Uh, useful examples, I guess, in this case, they wanted to, uh, one of our customers, uh, wanted to basically, uh, you know, capture vaccination information from their employees through the app. Um, So uh, the low code uh, basically allowed them to very quickly do that uh, without really having a separate app developer for iPhone, and then Android, then the web. Uh, and simply by leveraging what we call the X module, uh, which is our load code tool. Uh, basically, they were able to do that within a matter of a few days uh, and then get it up and running globally. Uh, or let's say uh, in India, one of our customers had a requirement where you know, they were going to have um, you know, like a, the uh, reserving uh, gym space, you know, the treadmills and you know, other equipments at the gym. Uh, the back end of obviously it's a local business or a local company that's operating that. they have apis. So as long as you got apis, now you can use this low code uh, and get a developer to uh, to basically create that environment. Now we see this all the time at universities uh, because there's more than what you want to uh, you know what we provide out of the box, of course is good enough for a lot of our use cases, but there are there comes a time when you need to do something special, something different. Um, and so we see that a lot of, at the university level as well. So one of our customers in Houston, uh, University of Houston, for example, they're very prolific. Uh, and once you have your developers trained on this low-code stuff, uh, then it's uh, really easy for them to create different use cases. You know, whether it's handling things like you know, like density information to where in the com- campus is it crowded. Uh, that used to be a thing, if you recall. Um, People didn't want people gathering together, as an example. That level of stuff, you got uh, uh, their networks providing APIs, and then they can just create that X module very quickly uh, with the low code. So that's kind of how it's currently being used. Uh, With all that said, though, of course, we use it ourselves. Um, so that uh, if we wanted to create anything brand new, uh, starting about two, three years ago, uh, we're also leveraging the same. So it makes our job easier for our, our own uh, developers uh, to do this. And uh, this is sort of what's uh, behind the scenes and the secret sauce, if you will, uh, of what uh, our customers are uh, taking advantage of uh, to make their apps even better.
0: You talk also on the website about low code enabling the citizen developer. And I'm wondering if you really believe in that concept of, you know, people like me learning a little bit about code so I can build little, little apps. Do you think low code is really for that purpose or is it more about streamlining the software developers? work
1: yeah um so I, I think the it really depends on the um the the organization that we work with but i can give you a few uh examples uh, where the i would say in this case it's really about citizen developer you know where the value of that comes in um so you know what we are seeing is that even though we offer the platform so that you as the customer you know, whether it's a you know university uh, that's a nationally ranked, uh, you know one of the top schools, or your community college, or your small liberal arts college, or an international school down in Chile or Mexico somewhere, the problems that you have in your campus is fundamentally different, right? So the problem that MIT has is fundamentally different from the problems that Penn State has. Now there's a lot of you know common common things. Everybody wants to check their grades on the homework, and you know everybody wants to do certain things. But there are certain subtle differences just because of the layout of the campus and the types of problems that you have. So we've been running what we call ideathons over the last few years. I kind of kind of got interrupted by the pandemic, uh, but uh, you know, two or three years ago, uh, the winner was. Uh, the, the winning team. And by the way, the idea behind the uh, ideathon was it's really about the citizen developers. So universities would have about 60 to 70 or 80 different uh, students participating in this uh, ideathon. And over a weekend, uh, they would basically not only learn how to use this platform and the, the no-code and low-code, but come up with a solution uh, that, and you know, obviously it's uh, not quite production-worthy, Uh, but it's good enough to basically, uh, you know, be the first, you know, beta version, if you will. Mm -hmm. Ideas that uh, different institutions came up with with different students vary, right? Uh, So UC Berkeley was actually the winning team from UC Berkeley, came up with the idea of solving this food insecurity on campus. And up until that point, about three, four years ago, I didn't realize that there was this problem across all these different universities, where there's a lot of hungry students uh, who cannot afford uh, to eat uh, you know, good meals. Um, so these students actually created that. So that's a citizen um, you know, development uh, you know, story. Now, a couple of years prior, I think Harvard students came up with this mental health, Right, a lot of stress uh, on campus, a lot of pressure. So mm-hmm. how do you do that? Now, taking it that to the, uh, the enterprise level, now, again, there are different um, problems that they want to solve. You know, what we see typically is that actually one use case of a customer whose headquarters building actually has a multi-story parking, right? And it actually happens to be located in the Washington, D.C. Beltway. Well, guess what? At around From about 8 o'clock in the morning to probably 9.30 a.m., we see the spike in traffic to that particular module. Why? Because that's a problem that that particular location has. You know, if you're trying to drive in you know, just going through the first floor, second floor, third floor, all the way up to the ninth floor of a parking uh, structure, that's a long time uh, for you to uh, waste on. So if you actually had a mechanism um, and by which you could actually say, oh, I should go to this garage, I should go to that floor, that makes it much easier and it really saves time. So that's solving problems. And, you know, those types of things can be uh, created by citizen developers as well. So it really opens up uh, the the use case of the different problems that people can solve within these apps, uh, and it really uh, broadens the um, you know the audience, if you will. So you don't have to necessarily just rely on the IT developers. Uh, you could actually open this up uh, to the other members of the company, members of the organization. Uh, now you don't necessarily have to uh, you know hire them, uh, let's say, uh, but uh, as long as you can uh, you know involve them. Uh, then they could actually come up with not just the ideas but also implement something. And then you can take that and you know, implement it uh, directly inside uh, these, you know, workplace apps or campus apps.
0: Thinking about low code, um, you, know, you know, the other things your platform does. What um, what are some of the challenges that customers are telling you that they have to deal with?
1: Um, so usually. the the challenges that customers have um, is meeting the needs of their customers, right? And it's really about the constantly changing needs of this new world, especially in the last few months. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, it's not for the lack of... um, Obviously before COVID things were a little bit more stable, uh, but, uh, you know, during COVID and of course, even today, you know different um the challenges are you know how do we quickly adapt to this new world you know um so i mentioned about i think it was the jp morgan chase ceo saying something about two about a year and a half ago and then I, apparently he uh changed uh, his uh, mindset a little bit because uh you know he kind of is now a little bit more embracing of this uh you don't have to have come into the office every single day kind of concept so then um you know, that type of thing also forces uh, the organizations uh, to really change, you know, in terms of how they should be bringing people back or, you know, whether they should be using this t- type of reservation system versus another type of reservation, or, um, you know, how, what type of services are they provide, um, you know, for those companies or organizations providing free lunch or free whatever, um, you know, how do they actually deal with that? So, and then if you're opening up amenities, um, that you didn't have before, or actually you, didn't, you weren't allowed to open before, uh, then how do you deal with that? How do you actually communicate uh, to your employee base? And then especially for those people working from home or in a hybrid environment, um, you know, what are the additional benefits that you wanna provide? And what are some of the things that you can do to interact with them, uh, with the employees? So all these things, again, are changing, uh, sometimes dramatically very in a very short time frame. Uh, And in other cases, subtly changing over time. So with all that said, uh, these are the types of, uh, you know, very uh, fast changing world, a dynamic world, if you will, uh, that requires this sort of uh, agility uh, so that you can quickly make adjustments to, uh, especially from our perspective, the apps that the customers are using or their employees are using so that it can be more helpful. Uh, And I would say, I guess the key word would be change management. Um, And, uh, you know, to be able to effectively carry that out, uh, you know, instead of saying, hey, you know, send out an email saying, you know, listing out all the things that are changing versus, you know, how do you also nudge the behavior through the the usage of these apps and so on. So that's kind of what we are seeing in terms of, um, you know, the challenges. Uh, And of course, our task is to. Uh, work with our customers so that they can serve their customers better uh, with this agile methodology, uh, but really having these tools uh, that that they can then adapt uh, to make those adjustments.
0: My last question for you today is, is there a particular kind of company that you look for as a customer? I mean, are there, I guess, who's, who's the
1: perfect customer for you? Um, so it turns out that um, so actually uh, there are actually a number of dif- different perfect customers for us. Um, um, but obviously we' are in uh, servicing different industries, but uh, we're definitely, um, uh, I would say the, one of the leaders or the more dominant players in the higher ed space, especially for larger universities. Um, so I think just uh, the, our market share in some of the nationally ranked schools and uh, so on. So I think the university market is, uh, you know, is definitely, that's been our bread and butter. So that's one. But going to the enterprise, uh, I think right now, we're, we're kind of seeing our platform getting uh, adapted by two different, uh, you a know, c- couple of different examples. I think I mentioned you, Okta. So I think it's still valid for these high-tech companies or companies who are basically uh, doing going hybrid all the way, right? So uh, I think that's one use case. The other one is more of a more traditional companies. Uh, that's not necessarily in a specific sector because we service financial services to companies like GE that's got manufacturing and you know others as well. So I think it's just a a diversity. But having said that, we, typically our sweet spot is larger organizations with multiple locations, different types of employees, um, and our, our, our primary You know, if it's like a small company with, uh, I don't know, less than a few hundred people, it's probably, I mean, we can still service them, uh, but uh, we would be much better adapted by the larger organizations because of the fact that we got all these other, you know, multi-location capabilities and multiple personas and things of that nature uh, that they typically see as the huge benefit above and beyond sort of this one-size-fits-all app approach.
0: Andrew, thanks very much for coming over today. Yeah, you're very welcome. And thank you for having me. My guest today has been Andrew Yu, the CEO of Moto Labs. And this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report, where we're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts. To see all of their programs, visit www. Dot evergreenpodcast.com And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said,